Well, welcome. Welcome. It's great to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, it's okay. Um, it really is uh, great to have just uh, all of you uh, here as we uh, kind of continue this uh, series. And uh, it was I just, it was so good just to see that baptism, um, you know, and like I've known that family for years and years and years. And uh uh, and I just say, be praying for, for uh, Trey's uh, uncle who is here somewhere where, yeah, over there. Yes, great man. And I did just, I know you're in a battle with cancer and just what a blessing it is for you to be here that uh, your nephew just, you mean the world uh, to him. It's just great to have you here for that. And we'll be praying for you. Um, so as, as we continue uh, this series, of course, this whole series is about like, just making better decisions in life and realizing that sometimes a way to make a better decision is to ask some better questions before you go to make that decision. So like the first week we talked about, um, ask the question, am I being honest with myself? Really, right? Because we have this tendency at moments, we can sell ourselves on something. We can start, we can convince ourselves of something that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise done. But if we're honest, say, you know what? Maybe I'm not being totally honest with myself. We'll make a better decision. Last week, Seth looked at this idea of, the question was, you know, what's the, what's the story that my life is telling? Because if your life tells a story, all of your decisions add up to what your life is about, the impact that you make. And if, and if you don't have in mind the kind of story, the kind of person you want to be, you might make a lot of other decisions. But if you have a clear picture, of this is the kind of story that I want my life to tell. This is the kind of person I want to be. Having that in your mind, you'll make different decisions. And so this morning, uh, we're going to look at another question that I, that I hope in some ways actually pulls you in in a deeper way in kind of just your your daily walk with God, how you relate and interact uh, with God. And to get at this question, I want to look at a little proverb that has some great insight that this question's kind of built out of. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Um, we're going to look at this little proverb, verse 12. Here's what it says. It says, The prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep on going and pay the penalty. So really simple little tidbit of, of like wisdom here. But it holds something here that I, that I want to kind of unpack this morning. And I think it kind of begs this question when you begin uh, to think about it. So just think about it for a second here with me, right? The prudent see danger, right? Which means like... There's some cue that they pick up on. There's some tension that they feel. There's something they see, they hear. There's just something they pick up on and they don't ignore it. That's the key to this, right? The prudent don't ignore it. They pay attention to it and then they do something with it. Maybe it's nothing, maybe it's a lot. But the fact that they don't ignore it is what separates in them. So here's the question. Here's the question that'll help you make better decisions. And it's this, is there a tension that deserves my attention, right? Is there, when I say, right, uh, is there a tension? Is there a cue? Is there something you're feeling in your spirit or you're thinking about? And it might be easy to ignore it, but right? But if you don't and you ask the question, is there a tension that deserves my attention? All of a sudden, if you give it some some attention, some thought, some prayer, maybe you'll make a way 
better uh, decision. Uh, let me illustrate in a real simple way. How many of you have ever been, uh, you know, I don't know, you've been out hiking someplace or you've been doing some work around the house or just you're outside and suddenly you hear this, this little fast rattle sound. Yeah. What, what, what do you feel all of a sudden? A little bit of tension, right? Now, how many of you hear that? It's still going. <laughs> um, and you're just like, eh, and you just walk on ahead, right? You just do whatever you're doing. Well, if you've lived here for any length of time, right? You probably go, like, and you pay attention to it, right? And it deserves that. And maybe, maybe as you give it some attention, you find yourself doing something a little different. I mean, you could say, you know, it's probably just a, it's probably just a, a lizard running through some mesquite beads. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a bug. Maybe, maybe it's just the wind blowing some dried leaves, whatever. Yeah. And you could just ignore it, right? And you might be okay. Or you might not, right? And it's interesting that even though it could be any number of those other things, doesn't it deserve some attention to find out, to figure out? Yeah. Like, um, so I was uh, hiking with a friend of mine, Darren, the backside of the Catalinas, I don't know, like a year and a half ago or something. And we were hiking along and we were going to stop and sit down and just like take a break on this like, uh, it's like a little bluff, uh, just like overlooking this uh, uh, pretty canyon, like this deep uh, wash. And it was kind of open. There were a couple of little small bushes. And as we started to walk up and there's like a real nice spot to sit, we heard just ever so briefly, just that little rattle, Right. And we kind of pause for a second. We're just like, but I'm looking right there and I don't see anything. And the wind was kind of blowing and I saw some dried leaves and Darren kind of saw the same thing. And at first it's just like, nah, like, nah, like, again, it's too, uh, too early in the year. And it's just like, ah, it's, you know, just, it's kind of what's kind of going through our brain, right? Um, now, I didn't think of this passage back then, but, you know, uh, right now I think about this passage and it's like, right, right, the simple, the simple just keep on going right? They just keep on going. That's what it's saying. They don't pay attention to it. They just ignore it. Um, but they do that, what? At their peril, right? They do that um, and they pay the penalty, like whatever it is, because they've ignored something that needed some attention. And it was kind of funny as it first, like Darren and I both kind of were just kind of ignoring it because it was so brief and it just, it, like, there's just like, nah. And then we both like hesitated. We even looked at each other, kind of like, you know, like, you don't think it's anything, right? And then we were both like, but it could be. <laughs> so we, we were like, we better check this out. And we started looking like now we're like being really careful. And sure enough, the, I mean, the spot we were going to sit down at was maybe 10 or 12 inches away from where that rattlesnake was just coiled up behind that bush, right? Now, um, I am so glad we paused and decided, we've been here. We, we, we both grew up in, in Arizona, right? And it's just like, we know better. We should make sure. Because had we not, had we sat down, I don't think my butt would have gotten to the dirt before, you know, one of us, well, I don't know which one of us, but one of us would have been hit, right? That would have been a very different story, right? Um, so like, it's this thing, like, um, is there a tension that deserves our attention. Like that, that's the simple question. And 
at a surface level, at a theoretical level, it's, uh, it makes sense. It's easy to think about. But I think when it gets to real life, when it gets to real life, that's where maybe this gets a little bit tougher. And so what I want to do is I want to think about this uh, question, is there a tension that deserves uh, my attention in more of kind of a real life kind of way. And, and to get at that, I want to look at a story in the Old Testament. It's about, uh, really about two guys that we've talked about in the past. In fact, I think we may have even looked at this story a little bit uh, a while back. It's about uh, Saul and David. Saul was the very first king of Israel. David became the second king. And of course, David is the famous David that killed Goliath. And he kills Goliath. He's a young, young man when he kills Goliath. And Saul loves him for it. In fact, they start this uh, relationship where in some ways Saul becomes a kind of father figure for David. And, it, and it's really good until as David grows up as a young man, it becomes very, very apparent that his leadership skills, his ability to lead armies and go into battle is so good. And uh, Saul begins to become jealous of this. And uh, even though David makes no overtures to try and overthrow him or anything, David is content to become king whenever it's time to become king. In fact, uh, the high priest Samuel uh, anoints David as king someday. Someday, not now. But Saul, in his jealousy, just like... I. He reaches this point where he goes from being kind of a father figure in his life to becoming the guy that will use any means necessary to hunt David down and kill him. That's how bad it's gotten. And that's where we pick up this story. And I want you to see what happens in this story as David and this small band of guys he's with, they're on the run. And uh, we learn that, uh, that Saul has figured out where he is and he's coming to look for him. So if you have your Bibles... Turn with me to a First Samuel, First Samuel, verse uh, chapter twenty-four. <clears throat> we'll start in verse one. Here's what it says: um, uh, After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, which is a, another a group of people they had been at war with for a long time, uh, he was told David is in the desert of uh, Guiana. And, and so Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. Um, a cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself, right? So uh, you may or may not have heard this story before. Like Saul, he's, he gets close to the area and he thinks, you know, we're going we're gonna to go hunt David down, but I got to go to the bathroom first. So he goes into this uh, cave. But guess who's in the cave, right? Uh, David and his men were far back in the cave. They probably, you know, saw the dust from 3,000 men traveling along. Like, oop, we got to hide. And they go and they hide in this cave. And the very cave they hide in, Saul goes into. Now, for David's men, this is like... It doesn't get any better than this, right? They've been on the run. They've not been able to see their families. They are outlaws. They've been running for their lives. Life has been hard for them. But they know that Samuel has anointed their guy to become the king someday. And so they're going to follow him. They're going to trust that, like, God, you're going to work this out. And here God is working it out, right? He just brings Saul right, you know, um, I won't go, sorry, I was going to make a joke about being caught with your pants down, but it's going to do that on the fly, and I guess I just did. But anyhow, 
Anyhow, right? This is like the perfect moment, right? And there's this discussion. You can just picture them in the back of the cave and they're whispering like, okay, David, this is so good. Like you go kill him right now and we don't have to run anymore. You get to be king, right? God is like, this is a God thing. It's gotta be. In fact, uh, look at verse four. It says this. Uh, uh, the men said, today the Lord is saying, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish, right? And probably, uh, kind of from the context here, uh, it, David more than likely is like, yeah, yeah, this is it. Like David, like, okay. And now David is gonna, all he has to do is just like creep over, sneak over and with his knife, just kill Saul and now a new chapter begins. He gets to become king. His life isn't threatened. His men get to go back to their families. It's like a good, good thing. But something different ends up uh, happening uh, here. It says, uh, look at the rest of verse four. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, this, the way the story sets up, th like this isn't what these men were expecting. This isn't what we'd expect from the story at this point. And you just picture the men, like they're hiding behind some rocks or something back in the cave and they're like, okay, that's right. And he's got this knife out. And then David, you know, sneaks over and takes his coat and he's like, he's like guess what guys? And you can see his men like, no, mm, no. Just like, David come, you know, David gets over and they're like, David, like, what are you doing? We're expecting something a little more aggressive, right? Than cutting off that knife. Right? You realize he's still king, right? Just because you cut off a little piece of his coat, he's still, we're not playing, you know, tag or, you know, flag football for who gets to be king, right? As long as Saul is alive, he's king, you're not, right? Why did David do this? Because something changes from like the first moment where they kind of got the plan worked out to when David goes over there and cuts off a little piece of his coat. Um, look at verse five. Here, here's how uh, David answers this. Afterward, David was, catch this, conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. See, something happened here. And what I want to, oh, here's what I want you to notice. That's the tension. Something in his conscience, right? The plan was go over there and take him out. But there was a tension. There was something in his conscience. Ever have something that just, and maybe you didn't have exact words to describe it, but it was real. It was there. Maybe, maybe there was a job opportunity and it just looked so good. And like you started to step into it or pursue it. And, and maybe you just say, like, there's like this check in my spirit. Like, just like, is this a God thing? It's like, what, like, I, like, what's going on here? But like something, I feel a tension over this in this moment. Or maybe you were all excited. You're getting ready to get married. And there's like that still small voice in the back of your mind going, you're rushing, you're rushing like too fast, right? Even just like, nah, 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 nah. it's like, you're going too fast, right? Or um, maybe, uh, maybe there's someone that you know and man, maybe, maybe they treated you unfairly in some way and the tables were turning. You're just like, okay, now I'm, I'm going to set things right. And you had a plan for how you believed things should be set right. But as you got ready to engage in that, it's like something in your conscience, right? Something on your heart. Just like it 
You just felt that tension over it. That is what happens to David in this moment, right? There's something in his conscience in all of this. And what I want to say is, those are the moments that I want to encourage all of us. It's really important that we ask this question. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Because if you'll ask that question and process it, whatever your answer is, it will be a better answer. You'll make a better decision than if you ignore it, okay? So I want to walk through this this question here a little bit because there's kind of like three parts to it. Um, And the first one uh, is this. Is there a tension, right? And part of this is just being aware that, that, uh, that we can have tensions over things. And here's why I bring this up. Because we, right, probably most of us in here, just because of the culture we live in and who we are, we're busy. There are so many things speaking to us from social media to things on TV and radio and podcasts and uh, all the conversations we have. Think of our calendars and our schedules, right? Like there's just all of these activities, all these things. And it is fairly easy, isn't it, to go through life so, ba- uh, so busy, so fast, in such a hurry, that if there is some sort of tension happening, we're pretty good at ignoring it, aren't we? Like we can fly through and just like, uh, just like change the channel, right? You know, play a game on my, on my phone or my computer. I just like listen, turn the radio up. Dude, like we have all of these ways. And here's what I want to say is, make sure you have moments on a regular basis where you learn to just pause. To pause and just open your heart and your mind through prayer or meditation before God and say, is there something I'm ignoring? Is there a tension that, I, that I'm just passing by? Because you know, David, in that moment in the cave, something was going on in his conscience and he could have just said, no, just stick to the game plan. Stick to the game plan. Just stick, like, like he could have just ignored it. But he didn't. And so in your life, I want to encourage you, make sure that there are moments on a regular basis that you pause, right? Breathe. Maybe, maybe start with a prayer and say, God, help me just be aware, right? Am I feeling something? Is there something I'm thinking? What's that tension? And then the next part of that is, uh, is there a tension that deserves? And by deserves, that, that is like, what's the nature of this? It, does, it, does it need something more? Because the reality is, right, there's lots of times where you're going to feel some tension over something. And it doesn't need any more attention. Like, let's say it's about, like, uh, you're getting ready to do something new or you're going to, like, move or something. And you're just like, okay, I've got some tension over this. But as I I become aware of the tension, here's what I know. I just get nervous over this. That's just all that happens. There's just something new. It's something different. And that's okay. It's just okay. And the tension's going to go as we move. This isn't, like, this isn't God's still small voice. This isn't something in my conscience. It doesn't deserve that. Or, or you pause and you notice the tension and you go, oh, this is important. This deserves something more. This deserves me praying through this more. This deserves me having some discussions with other people. This deserves some attention from me uh, in all of this. Uh, several decades ago, uh, it's, uh, I was on staff here 
And I was not the senior pastor. I was, I, don't, I forgot what my exact uh, title was, uh, but I was uh, like an associate pastor here working with Roger. And I had gotten a phone call from a church uh, in Northern California. And they had heard several of my sermons. They needed a senior pastor. I wasn't the senior pastor here. Um, they had even sent people here without me knowing uh, to Casas and had actually talked with me like after the service and had listened to my messages and stuff. And they invited me to come. And like they said, you're, you're down to like the short list on who we want to have come and be our senior pastor at our church. And I was like, wow. And then they were like, and you know, and see, because they, they knew me, because they'd been listening to my sermons. They were like, you know, uh, this church is located uh, really close to some of the best surfing in all of California. And I was like, oh, Jesus is so good. Right? It's just like, God must be in this because surfing is involved. And, and we're really close to the Sonoma Raceway. This is like in Sonoma, California, near Sonoma. And I, was just like, and I had been over there like a year before visiting family and didn't even know about this church or anything. But man, it's really pretty over there, right? And that racetrack, I love racetrack. And that racetrack and the surfing and there's just like and it just seemed like like of course God is in this thing right and you could uh, you could just feel the tug in this thing I think about David and he's in that cave and uh, this men and they're looking at this and the message and just be like yeah David this is your chance and there would just be this pull to like go that direction and you know at first it just seemed like man God is in this this is just like I'm gonna get to take that next step as being a pastor and it's just like all of these things but then then somewhere early on there was this kind of tension right this what I'm going to call the way I would call it just like that still small voice of God just going whoa just like just like pause for a second on this thing and it was a weird thing for me to like go through this moment of like oh okay but like and 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 there was a tension there that I needed to pay attention to. And, and I think as believers, we all go through moments like this. We all go through moments where there's a tension that needs our attention, right? And that's the third part of this. And it's making sure that we give the right attention over those things that, that maybe have us feeling a little bit unsettled. Uh, about something going on in life. Um, it's interesting how David responds to his uh, men in this. I, I want you to see this. If you flip back over to 1 Samuel chapter uh, 24, uh, in verse 6, here, here's what he says uh, to his men. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. And he's speaking about Saul there the Lord's anointed one, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord, right? And it's like, wow, like kind of a change here. He goes on, look at verse seven. Uh, with these words, David, and here's the decision he makes, right? With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. Like, and guys, I'm not gonna do it. And here's my decision. You're not gonna attack him either. We're gonna let him live. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. And I think part of what happens here in this moment is, Right? He feels the tension in his conscience and he gives it some attention. Somewhere on that, you know, that little crawl over to where Saul was, in giving this some attention, 
he starts thinking about this in a different way. Some thoughts begin to go through his mind. You know what? Um, yes, it's possible that God is in this and God has delivered him into my hands and, this, and, and, my, and the best thing I can do is, is take his life right now. He's been a lousy king and he would have been justified in that. He, Saul at this point was acting like a lousy king, right? But I also wonder if there was a part of David that was going, but you know what? In my conscience, I don't want to be the king that became king because I killed the guy before me. That's not who I want to be. And you know, I don't think that that's maybe what God wants me to do here. I wonder if David was like crawling over there, like, he's like, okay, God, right? Because he's giving this attention. God, what do you have to say about this? And I wonder if God was just like, David, I've got it taken care of. You don't need to kill him to become king. Right? And so David comes to this place that as he gives it attention, he makes a very different kind of decision. And, and this is important. And, and I want to spend the rest of my time here just uh, looking at this idea of how do we give this attention? Because oftentimes, so there's, there's kind of two approaches uh, people tend to take in this. And oftentimes the most common approach uh, in this is we want to boil it down to there's one right answer, okay? There's one right answer. It's black and white. It's right or wrong. Um, and that is this kind of more religious, uh, uh, kind of legalistic or rule-following uh, way of approaching our relationship uh, with Christ and saying, okay, if, if God's put something on my conscience, like there's like one right way and I just need to figure this out out and come up with the right answer and then do the right thing. But you know, I think back to David in that cave. I bet there was a part where David, he wasn't just trying to figure out like what's the right thing from the, from the standard of like, okay, like what scripture do I have and what, what's the right answer? I bet there was a part of David that was like, okay, God, I, I need to understand what you're saying to me. God, what are you up to in this? And I bring this up because when you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, where Christ uh, comes into the scene, everything changes. There is a way of being that fits that more religious rule-keeping way that we see so often in the Old Testament. Not always, but oftentimes. But the New Testament is clear. As you get into the New Testament, the way we relate to God changes into a far more relational way that is built out of faith. It is about interacting with God. And, he, and here's why. Here's why. Because of this simple great truth. Jesus actually abides in us. As followers of Christ, Christ himself abides in us. Now, sometimes this becomes a struggle. Uh, this was a struggle in the first century. In the first century, they struggled with this a little bit because it was like, okay, Jesus saves us, and that's wonderful, and yes, Jesus lives in our heart, right? Common phrase, even said today in the evangelical work, Jesus lives in my heart, but here's what happens all too often when it comes to decision-making how we live out our life. The idea that Jesus lives in our heart becomes a romanticized thought or a feel-good thing. That, yeah, man, Jesus lives in my heart, but now when I go to make this decision, we approach it 
as if Jesus isn't in our heart, isn't available to us. We approach it as, okay, I've got to figure out, like, what's the rule here? What's, what's the thing required? And we tend to think of it in a very black and white way. Here's the problem with that. You can talk yourself into just about anything. You can find a Bible verse for just about anything you want to do in this. But it becomes very different when you humbly seek and approach and, and draw on God, on Jesus, who is in you. And that is the thing that we encourage constantly around here as a church is to move people away from that religious rule-keeping kind of way of living life to a more faith, relational way of engaging Christ as the guide and the leader of our lives. Now, I say this, and you know, oftentimes people go, okay, but Glenn, you took that one verse about Jesus in you and just, but I want you to know, and I'm gonna actually walk through some passages of scripture rather quickly here in a moment, because I want you to feel this. The New Testament, under this covenant with Christ, the new covenant with Christ who lives in us, is dominated by this idea that Jesus lives in you, and because of that, it changes everything. I want you to feel that. I want you to feel the comprehensiveness of that. I want you to feel the weight of the importance of it. I want you to feel how relational Scripture talks about this, because what it does is it does something relational in your uh, relationship with God. It brings you to a place where it is easier to explore and trust God with those tensions than to ignore them. And the last thing I want you to do is ignore those tensions. I want you to be able to explore them. Figure out what is God saying in your life? How is he leading you uh, in this way? So uh, just... Just as, a, as an exercise in just feeling the weight and the comprehensiveness of what the New Testament says, I want to hit just a few verses. I'm not going to hit all of them, but I want you to feel this. And I'm going to go through these verses, and I'm going to encourage you to do this. If you brought like a physical Bible this morning, and I know that's fast becoming... Uh, a, a non-thing, that most of you are reading your Bible off your phones or tablets or whatever. If you brought your physical Bible, um, write each reference in the margin. So um, we're going to look at a passage, and then before we go to the next passage, write the reference of the next passage we're going to go to in the, in the margin of your Bible. Here's why. And this is like, this is like so old school. I, I'm going to sound so old in this moment, right? But it gives you a way, it's called a chain reference, where suddenly you look at this and you go, okay, I can read this passage and now I can go to the next one and there and we'll keep putting the next reference to the next one in there until it gives you this way to actually walk through a, a more comprehensive feel of how Scripture's speaking to this same issue in some way. Now, if you're on your phone or your tablet, just, I don't know, open up a, a notes app and just write down all the references or type them in and then sometime on your own, go back uh, through them and just uh, feel this. So, um, Think about uh, these passages and what it says about Christ in you and what that means for how you can navigate this tension. Um, turn to uh, Galatians chapter 4. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this. Um, because you are sons, and I'm not going to explain all this, but daughters are included in this as well. So ladies, you are, you are in this as well, okay? Because you, are, because you are sons or daughters, God sent the Spirit of his son, that's Jesus, where? Into our hearts. Who is it that lives in your heart? He's saying, 
Jesus lives in your heart, right? Uh, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, profoundly relational term. This Abba, this is, what, this is what children call, this is like daddy or papa. Very relational uh, in this. Um, he goes on, he says, you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And since you are a son or a daughter, God has made you also an heir. And the heir, that would have been the one child in the family that got to like take on the role of all that the father wanted to do. That's you, that's me. Like, so now think about this. You're in this tension trying to navigate it. Jesus lives inside of you. Do you have someone that you can explore that, and that tension with? Yes, yes, seek that out. Um, I won't take the time to read this one, but there, Paul walks this out in uh, Romans chapter eight, verses, uh, verse 11, really well. Like write that one down, um, read it later. Let me go to Ephesians, Ephesians uh, chapter uh, three. In Ephesians chapter three, I love how he puts this. And he's referencing uh, this new covenant uh, that, we're, that we're in and a part of. He says, oops, he says this, Ephesians chapter three, verse 10. He says, um, his intent, his intent was that now, now being in this new covenant with Christ, uh, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in all the earth. No, bigger than that. Um, in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purposes, there's something that God wants to do that reveals truth in the heavenly realms for eternal purposes. And now catch this. Look at uh, back to verse 11 and 12. His eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in him and through faith. It's a faith relationship, not a religious uh, kind of thing. Um, through faith in him that we may approach God. And this is almost like anti-religious. With freedom and confidence. Like the whole point of what God is doing. He's revealing this truth for not just here on earth, but in the heavenly realms. He wants a kind of relationship where in it, we don't get beat down, strapped down by like all of these uh, regulations, all of these things about like, just like you gotta be this thing. It's like, sets you free. You experience freedom and confidence. Uh, he goes on. Um, he says, I pray, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with all power through his spirit, where? In your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's saying, Jesus lives in your inner being. As a follower of Christ, Jesus is living in your inner being, he says. Uh, one more, one more. Uh, Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Because he is in you. And he goes on, here's how. Um, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And the New Testament just goes on and on and on with all of these references about Christ in you. And this changes everything. And I, and I point all of this out because this is a vastly different way of walking out your faith. It is not one of, of seeing yourself as 
in a conditional kind of way. God loves me or doesn't love me based on how I'm performing. It's about relationship. It is about a God who lives in your spirit and invites you to call him Abba, Father. Ever have someone that was with you at a moment of a difficult decision? Ever have a moment where you were walking through a difficult decision and you, just, and you talked with someone and after a conversation, you walked out of that conversation and you just said, man, whew, I just feel at peace. I feel at peace with the decision I'm making. I, I just, I feel wiser. I feel confident. And then you think back on the conversation and that person never said, this is what you need to do, right? Ever have that conversation and you think back on the conversation and you found that that person asked you questions. That person pointed out things about you that you're like, oh yeah, that is true. And they're like, yeah, you're getting ready to go do this thing and like, you know, you, you, you hate new things, right? I know this, I'm your friend. You hate new things and you're feeling like you have to do this new thing, why, why? And you're like, oh yeah. Or maybe you're the person who's super adventurous and you're holding back on something and your friend says, you know, I, you seem a little fearful, but you know, here's what I know about you. You're a very adventurous person. You're gonna be like, oh yeah, right? They ask you questions, they encourage you. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's like they know you well. And the process of interacting with them does something. It brings out something in you. And friends, what you see described again and again in the New Testament is a kind of God who says, I wanna walk with you. I want to be with you. And who knows you better than the God who created you and abides in deep in your inner spirit, see? So I'm at this place and I'm like, man, this seems so exciting. Go to California where there's like surfing and racetracks and just like all this stuff. But there's this like check in my spirit. And you know, there was a part of me that was just, I like wanted to drill it down to, okay, God, you just tell me yes or no. Tell me yes or no. Tell me yes or no. And you know, God never told me yes or no. I was just like, well, God, come on, tell me. I'll just obey. Just, it's like, and you know, and let me say this. Sometimes God does. Sometimes we say, you know what, God, I, there's something going on inside my conscience. There's something that flags. And sometimes God says, I'm gonna give you a real direct answer. And you know what, when God does that, let me say, just follow him. Trust him. But you know what I have found over a lot of years of following God is? While that happens, more often, God doesn't give me that clear, simple answer. It's like God says, I, I, I made you to be someone to live. I want you to feel more confident and more free. I want to help you understand better who you are. And I remember praying through the possibility of this move. And I remember coming to a place that felt a little scary and that I felt like I could make either choice and God's gonna still love me and be with me. It's like God's not giving me an out. There was a part of me that just wanted God to tell me so I didn't have to feel the responsibility of the decision. And I think there was a part of God saying, no, I do want you to feel the responsibility of the decision. Because that's more mature. But it was like God started saying, like, let me help you understand better who I know I created you to be. And there were some things in there about, like, longevity. And I realized, you know what? God's really set me up to, to be at this place in a longer uh, kind of, of stint or way. 
And there's something that I value in this. I was like a young pastor and realizing the investment that was being poured into me by other pastors and leaders around this place. And I look back now and I go, man, I valued that so much. I am glad I made the decision to stay here because of that. And now I get to see this thing in the longevity of what that has done that I'm getting to invest into others, other young leaders, like even getting to spend time with our high schoolers at camp like uh, two weeks ago. And it's just like, I, like seeing that and looking back and realizing had I jumped to a decision either way you know what God would have still loved me and probably there's a lot of decisions that you are going to make and if you instantly made either decision God's still going to love you God's still going to be for you but it might not be the decision you would most want to make but if you will notice the tension and then give it attention you might find that God just delights in processing it with you, puts things on your heart, lets you understand more and more of who you are, what your values are. And all of a sudden, instead of just trying to come up with a yes, no answer, you start living out of a fullness of like, oh man, I understand what matters most in this world. I understand what I value more. I'm seeing what God maybe wants to do with me here. And am I like, I'm excited about that. And you know, I never guessed that that long ago that some of the things that God was doing in this church would take as long to get there as it's taken to get there. And I realize now the longevity of that, it was important like, for me to stick with some things here in all of this. And I love what's happened. And I go back and I realize, had I made a decision out of just a yes, no answer really quick, I would have missed the deeper side of what it meant to trust God in a different, more holistic, relational way in my life. So this question, is there a tension that deserves my attention? Ask that question. But I want to encourage you, as you ask it, as you give attention to it, do it in a way, recognize it, and seeking how God wants to interact with you from deep within your spirit. And I promise you do that you will like the decisions that you make about your life in this because like, that is what God is calling you into. Okay, let's stand for a closing prayer. We're out of time. And, I'm, uh, and uh, let me just say this. If you're visiting here this morning, it is so good to have you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm gonna be right over by these tables. Would love to shake your hand, welcome you this morning. Um, if you'd love to have someone pray for you, uh, maybe there's a decision you're going through and you want someone to pray with you. We've got some people that would love to do that over in our prayer place uh, here this morning. Let me pray and we'll be dismissed here. Father, I just thank you so much that you are a God who delights in coming alongside of us, giving us guidance, insight, pulling us closer to you relationally because of your great love for us. And for that, Father, we are grateful and we 